everybody, and welcome back to today's episode of Defining the Dash. We're excited to be back with you, and today we have a studio full. We have uh, me and Brother Mark. Brother Mark, great to be back with you, buddy. And we have Brother Aaron Roberts with us today, special guest. Glad to be here, brother. And we are excited to get to talk to him for a little while. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're going to pay a little bit of tribute to Brother Aaron's uh, mother and father, Brother Mike Roberts and Sister Debbie Roberts. And what what great holiness heroes they were to us. And uh, part of this podcast has always been we don't want our holiness heroes to be forgotten. We don't want this generation to overlook them and not realize uh, the value and the legacy that was left behind by them. And so we want to uh, we want to make every effort we can to bring bring honor to them, and in in doing so, we we'll bring honor to God in that. And so, brother Aaron, thank you so much for taking time out to be with us here today. Well, thank you, brother Chad. I'm honored to be here. That you asked me to talk about mom and dad. It's a great honor. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Look forward to it all day today. It's, so I'm happy. Uh, it's definitely been something we've been looking forward to. Uh, like I said, your mom and dad, they were special folks. Anybody in this area uh, and and much of the country has always heard of brother Mike and sister Debbie and always loved them. And um, but for those that haven't, Brother Aaron, um, can you give us a little bit of an intro and, and kind of some get-to-know-you information that uh, for those that maybe hadn't heard of your mom and dad? So, so just, just to introduce my dad, if, if I didn't know anybody, if, if you didn't know my dad, how, what would be the best way to introduce my dad? Let, let me give you just a brief overview of his life, and then we'll go into the particulars. So my dad was born in, on... September the 21st of 1950. Um, he grew up in a coal miner's home and they lived at Amanada. My dad only went to church he could remember one time until the age he was nine, of 19. And he went to church on Christmas in the, at the Baptist church in Amanada. And he remembered his mother dressed him up and they went to church on Christmas. Wow. And that's awesome. the only time he could ever remember going to church until he was 19. And he had never heard the words Holy Ghost, that title, Holy Spirit. He had never heard that until he became a Christian at age 19 in 1969. Wow. Mm. Yeah. So he grew up rough in a coal miner's home, and they were rough times, and they were really as poor as you could get. And uh, him and his brother, they were sent, uh, uh, when they weren't going to school, they were sent to the slate dump, and they had to go through the slate and get coal, and they would pick through the slate and get coal, and if they didn't produce a certain amount of coal for a man to pick up in the evening, uh, they got uh, disciplined over it, if you if you get my drift. And uh, so so Grandpa, he worked in the coal mines. They were paid with coal mine and script, and that's the only way they had of actually getting money. So the kids at, at eight and nine years old were out there working for eight hours, harvesting coal, sifting through the slate dump and getting coal. Wow. Yep. We... Uh, we were really blessed, Brother Mark. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I got to enjoy, uh, I know a little bit about coal growing up, but mine was uh, bought for and shoveled into the furnace. You know, right. I, I didn't have to go out and do that. So Yeah, shoveled yeah. up out of the driveway out wow. there, the coal pile. Yeah. And uh, we, we were really blessed. Absolutely. Really blessed. Uh, you talked a little bit there about his upbringing and when they got to go to church and where they was raised and things, but uh, you said it was when he was 19 years old when he got saved. Yeah, he was. He was 19 years old. And, and, you know, it's really, really a great story. Uh, I'll never forget meeting Brother Tom Harmon. And Brother Tom Harmon, I was with him Saturday, and they celebrated his 80th birthday. But he was a Richlands cop 
when my dad was running the uh, the pool halls, and he said, boy, he hated to see Brother Tom Armand come because he was right trained in the Air Force. He was part of the right control, right, yeah. And so he would he would come in and bust up those uh, the fights in the pool hall. And uh, Dad said he was a little rough trying to get him out of the pool <laughs> hall when Dad was sixteen. But but uh, Dad got saved in nineteen sixty nine in the winter of seventy. 1969, 70, or somewhere in there. It was, it was the winter of 69. He was 19. Born, he was born in September, so that would have been that December, February, somewhere in there. And uh, they had a big revival at the Tabernacle. It lasted uh, a couple years. And mm. there was over 400 people added to the Richlands Tabernacle during that time. It ran about 120, maybe 150. And at the end of that revival period, there were over 400 people got saved and 169 people, young children, young teenagers from the Richlands High School got saved in that same revival. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Praise God. Oh, that is powerful. Revival. I love awesome. hearing the stories like that. I mean, just, just seeing the, the, and that, and that's part of why we're doing this. Yeah. Um, we want young people today to see God still moving. Amen. We want them to know what they believe and why they believe it. And we want them to know that no matter what age they are. Uh, I taught a lesson this uh, this past Sunday of, uh, you know, this is boys' work on, um, you know, about uh, David. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of things that we say only older people or adults can do. Mm-hmm. But God used young people a lot in the Bible. Amen. And so it don't matter if they're five years old, 50 years old, 105 years old. There's something, a work they can do for God. And he he's not going to discriminate against age. <laughs> right. Right. And so uh, that excites me hearing, you know, of the story of where high schoolers, um, you know, like that, just getting getting caught up in a, in a great revival. And, man, that, that, that's exciting. Think about it, brother. In the 1960s, the decade, yeah. Of what was the mantra? Mm-hmm. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Mm-hmm. God saved a young man yeah. and called him to preach out of that revival. Yes, never knew nothing about the gospel. Didn't know who Jesus was. Couldn't tell you John three sixteen in boxcar letters. Right. Mm-hmm. God saved my dad and made a preacher out of him. Wow. Young people, I don't know what their. I, I don't know who who our audience is, but I'm gonna tell you, it doesn't matter what your background. That's right. God can change your life. Yes, sir. And do something awesome in your life. Yes, sir. That's exactly right. And uh, so when he was 19 and he got saved, that same winter is when he was called to preach, or the next, when was he called to preach? So so he was called to preach shortly after that. So he got saved that winter. Okay. And and it 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 was a winter night. And his buddies were like, hey, look, I heard they were having this big show down at the tabernacle. There's a bunch of people down there. Mm-hmm. And Dad said, watch the tabernacle. He said, what is this church down on Front Street? I said, really? He said, you know, it's, 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 you go down Front Street and just head down Rock Bridge, and right there's the, the church, and, and uh, let's, let's go. And I heard they put on a pretty good show. And so he went in and sat in the back, and there was a preacher there that day. I think it, I'm not sure who it was. I think it was Ronnie Harrison uh, was preaching at Youth Revival. Mm-hmm. And him and Brother Roger Boyd and uh, Brother Mike Altizer and a host of others. I think uh, Monty, Brother Monty Elswick was one of them. Mm-hmm. You could go through, all through this area mm-hmm. and find out a whole host of preachers that got saved during that revival. Wow. But Dad was in the back, 
And the preacher gave the, the altar call. And Dad got up, him and Mike Stevenson got up to go out. And both of them ended up going down to the altar. Wow. So changed their life forever. Turned them around. Turned them around. Wow. Now, that summer, Dad got really serious with God. And a few months later, he got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And so he heard about fasting and praying. And he, you know, he, he knew just little enough about the Bible, brothers, mm-hmm. to take the Bible for what it was. Right. And, you know... I feel the Lord to say this, but Dad had a battle in his mind, and he was really tormented because of a lot of the things he did when he was when he wasn't a Christian. Sure. And so, you know, the first thing the enemy did come against you, tell you you weren't saved, you're you're not, you're not where you need to be, and and he really fought that and all the you know the things that he saw, the movies he'd been to, and and he was battling with his mind, and he was in the tabernacle praying one day. Brother Bob Osborne just passed away. You Mm -hmm. remember back in August. And, and he said he was at the altar praying in the tabernacle. He said the back door opened or the side door. He said he heard the door open. He says, I'm praying at the altar. I'm praying, saying, God, I know you changed me. You saved me. The first thing that happened to my dad after he got saved was he was a terrible cusser. He had a terrible mouth. Mm-hmm. And he said he realized two days later he hadn't said one cuss word. Wow. And he knew that he, you know, he knew he got saved. So he's there praying. He said, God, I know you changed my life in so many ways. He said, but my mind, my, my, my thought process, I, I, the enemy's tormenting my mind. Brother, he said he felt a hand on his shoulder. Brother Bob Alsford said, Brother Mike. And Dad looked up into those kind eyes. And Brother, Brother Bob's voice, you know how it boomed. He said, Brother Mike. Yeah. He said, Brother Mike, he said, I come by. He said, I, I saw your car here, and I wanted to talk to you for just a minute. And Dad, he said, what's wrong? And Dad said, Brother Bob, he said, I'm tormented in my mind. He said, I just give my heart to Jesus. And he said, I'm just really tormented by my past life. And he said, I don't know how to deal with this torment that I'm going through, this, this, this anxiety that I'm going through. And, and he said, Brother Bob looked at him and said, Brother Mike, pick up your Bible and fill your mind with the Word of God. And he said, you won't have to worry about problems being tormented in your mind because the devil can't stand it when we read God's Word. Wow, what advice. And that changed my dad's life forever. Sure. But anyway, I got sidetracked. I apologize. No, that was awesome. So, so like I said, he was just new enough. He took the Bible exactly how it meant. Read the read the King James. Believed everything it said. Preacher got up and started talking about fasting. He said, "You know," he said, "Moses fasted, Jesus fasted, and you need to learn to fast." And and Dad read that scripture. Him and Jerome Hess, brother Jerome Hess, got Mm -hmm. saved at that time. God called him to preach, and he pastored a Pioneer Church out in Colorado, I believe it was. And, and anyway, him and Jerome made a covenant. Brother Jerome Hess, my dad and brother Jerome Hess made a covenant. They said, we will not eat and we will not drink until our mom and dad get saved. Wow. Hmm. Now, dad said, looking back at it, he said, I was just a young Christian. I didn't know what that kind of dedication meant. He said, but looking back at it, he thought, I thought what faith? He said, I believe that God would save my mom and dad before I ate a bite of food or drank a bottle of water. He said, the first day was tough. Oh, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. He said, at the end of the first day, his mom said, Mike, have you ate? No, mom, I'm not eating. The second day, she tried to have him committed to an insane asylum. My grandmother, Dorothy, did. She said, he's lost his mind. Mike, now, I believe in religion, but you took this religion stuff way too far. You need to go see a counselor. You, you, you've had a total breakdown. Religion is not good for you, Mike. And he couldn't tell her, Brother Mark. Mm-hmm. He could not tell her. 
I made a covenant with Jerome that we're not going to eat or drink until you and dad get saved and him and his his mom and dad get saved. And he said that fourth night, the Ridgelands camp meeting, it was three days, that fourth night, guess what happened, brothers? The church was gone. Dad was so weak he couldn't stand. And he said, income in the... Sat down. When the invitation was given, they got out of the aisle. They walked right up the aisle, all of them. And they prayed to get saved. And I said, Dad, what did you do? He said, I collapsed right on my face and bawled like a baby. And said, God, you saved my daddy. He said, I never dreamed my dad would ever get saved. But that's that those were the formative years of my dad's life, and that made him the man my dad was. Yeah. He really was. He learned he learned the the importance of faith and prayer yeah. and fasting all at a, a really a relatively young age. And, yeah, absolutely. What about your mom? Mom, my mom led a totally different. Uh, her childhood was totally different. She grew up and and uh, she had been around church most of her life. But my grandpa Ralph never got saved till till when she was very young, and uh, she was raised right here at the, at the church. She grew up singing, and she grew up being in church and grew up around the altar, grew up in, in, in a youth group. She had a totally different perspective on Christianity than my dad did on the holiness. And so she was raised in it. Mom lived a, a uh, an ideal childhood. My grandpa at that point, he drove a truck, and uh, her formative years were, were uh you know, were spent growing up in church, learning how to sing, learning how to play the piano. Mm-hmm. And she grew up, and this is what my dad told me about my mother. He, I said, Dad, what attracted you to my mom? And he said, Aaron, he said, I grew up on the rough side of, of, of the tracks. And he said, the thing that attracted me about your mother was not just her physical beauty, but he said, when I would talk to your mom and she would say, that message tonight touched me. I read this scripture and it impacted my life. He said, I knew there was something about your mom that I needed. Mm-hmm. And he said, I needed that 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 discipline and I needed that that background of, of and conviction that your mom had. He said, I I've never seen that before. And he said, impress me more than anything. That is awesome. So my mom was raised holiness and, and she became the perfect preacher's wife, brother. And uh she just had the, the, the kind of heart, and she had a big heart, and she just loved everybody. So when my mom was, was 16 years old, my dad asked for my grandpa for her hand in marriage, and, and uh, she, they got married, and, and I showed up 12 months later. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my very first, so this is pretty interesting. So my dad was evangelizing at that time. He sold his, he sold his 1966 Corvette to go to Israel. Which, by the way, is at war tonight. Yes. He sold his 1966 Corvette and, and, and took the money and bought his plane ticket and went on Israel tour. When he got back from that, he went to a youth camp. My grandpa was preaching a youth camp at Shady Springs for all you folks in Indiana that are listening. At Shady Springs, he was standing out there at that motel where you drove in. And, and that's where my dad asked for my mom's hand in marriage. And my grandpa said yes. Oh, wow. Awesome. Yeah. That, is, that is amazing. Yep. And... Um, 
So I was, brother, brother Chad, I was, I was less than a week old. And my first Sunday was their first Sunday at Westside Holmes Church, where my dad pastored for 50 years. So that weekend, mm-hmm. okay, that weekend, they had brought me home. I was born on a Saturday. On Wednesday of that week, Brother Burgess Hess, right, Sister Peggy Rose's daddy, showed up at my Grandpa Ralph's house in Dorian, or at Sun- Sunny Hills, knocked on the door and said, Brother Ralph, well, was it was it Dorian? No, no, it was Dorian. Showed up in Dorian, knocked on the door in Dorian and said, Brother Ralph, said we need a, we need a pastor here at the bottom of Horton Ridge. We've got a church. And I, I don't. I want to open this church back up. I've got a burden for this community. He said, "Will you come and take the church?" And Papa Ralph looked at him and said, "No, Burgess, I can't." I said, "I can't." I said, "I, I, you know, my burdens with the tabernacle. This is where God's called me, and this is where I'm at." Mm-hmm. And and uh, and, I, and all of a sudden, he said, "He said, Brother Burgess said, well, do you know anybody?'" And Papa said, "He goes, my son-in-law. He's sitting there at the table." And he said, "Hey, Mike, come in here." And so uh, Dad went in there and he met Brother Burgess. And that was, I believe that was on Wednesday. And Sunday morning they unlocked the church there at the bottom of Horton Ridge. And that was my first service. And I was a newborn baby and that's where I went to church. Wow. Yeah. And he pastored there for 50 years. That is so awesome. The the power of someone with a burden. Yeah. <laughs> and, and someone willing to say yes. Yeah. Somebody yes. available. I, and the, you know the church wasn't wasn't preexistent. There was no congregation. Right. There was no there was no one there. Mm-hmm. All we knew was that that, that that Brother Burgess wanted to unlock that church uh, yeah. and have a church there. And I've always I admire somebody that's trying to to pioneer a church or uh, to pioneer any type of a, a ministry like that because that is such a step of faith. It is. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, when when you're stepping out, and, and like in that case, there's no congregation. You know, a lot of the missionaries and things we talk to. I mean, they might go, and they're the only ones there when they first go for the first several services. I know, I've talked to people that um, have went to to services, and it might be fifty services. It's just them and their family, mm-hmm. and before anybody in the community actually start coming or anything. And uh, you know, it 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 really is a a work of faith when they do that, and I I admire that to be willing just to make yourself available, right. and 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 step out on faith, and that's step that is awesome. Yes. Yeah, and that's a yeah, such a today. powerful thing. And, and here's the thing, you know, he stayed there for fifty years, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it, it wasn't just it, he started with nobody, right? And they had I think seven people, and three of them was me and mom and him. <laughs> and I was a newborn right. at the time. So you couldn't vote. Yeah, I couldn't vote. I, couldn't vote. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know what was going on. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, he stayed there. Brother, he stayed there for 50 years, and, and God moved. I saw some awesome stuff. My my mother as a young girl would fast and pray and go to prayer meetings, and that's what brought her and my dad together mm-hmm. is, is, that, is that life of prayer. And she would sing. And, you know, if you want to know, my, I've got funny stories about my mom. Can I lighten it up a little bit? Sure, absolutely. Okay, Go with so, it. So mom was really great about getting tongue-tied. And one of my favorite <laughs> one of my favorite points was when I was growing up is, is it got really, really cold at night. And we had oil furnace, we had an old furnace in the old church. And I'll, I'll never forget how cold it was. You could literally see your breath. The old furnace went out. Wow. And, you know, we had light bulbs on a pull string. And you pulled the string and the lights came on Dad had preached that night on having your wedding garment on. 
and you know the crowd was small they were just getting started and I was just barely old enough to remember what's up and and I'm sitting there and you know dad had preached his heart out and he, mom thought he was discouraged and so she stood up to testify from behind the piano and she looked at she stood up and she said Mike I have a testimony he was getting ready to dismiss Mike I have a testimony and he goes sure go ahead and she stood up and she said I'm so glad I've got my wedding garment on <laughs> <laughs> and she, awesome. she told us later she said I thought you know that sounded so stupid <laughs> so, she, so she tried to correct it and it you know, made it worse it makes it, it worse yeah so much worse yeah and she said uh, she said what I meant to say was I'd rather go to hell than freeze to death <laughs> <laughs> so you know that was uh, she at that point everybody forgot about being cold so right they lighten everything up and, yeah so she, she fell she fell over she ducked down behind the piano put her face in her hands and commenced to cry yes <laughs> <laughs> she said your dad never cracked a grin she said if he had if I'd been very angry he never cracked a grin he never left and he said now all the other people they he hauled Right. He never changed expressions, just like a poker player. Nothing. She had his back and he she had hers. Back, he had her back. They get home. They drive all the way home. Nothing happens. <laughs> he don't talk about it. He don't say nothing. Yeah, smart man. Absolutely. Smart man. I, he knew. He knew. Then, then he, she said, we laid that. We put you boys to bed. And in the middle of the night, 11 o'clock, he rolls over. And when he rolled over, he started laughing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that was bad timing, though. There's no witnesses. Yeah, no witnesses. <laughs> no witnesses. No, man. So let me ask you this, brother. Aaron. This is kind of stepping away from from them for a moment and focusing on you and your brothers. Oh my! What was it like growing up in the pastor's home? Well, because I know being a, a PK, a preacher's kid, you know, there's a lot of. Uh, I guess you would say stereotypes and stigma that go along with that. So being a pastor's kid, what kind of pressures and stresses and what was that like? Honestly, it was, it was pretty rough. Well, uh, I'm sure it was rough. And I'll tell you why it's because, uh, uh, mom and dad had really high expectations for us. Mm-hmm. And not only that, everybody else did too. Sure. And so as a young boy, I'll just, I hate to say this on this podcast because I don't know where it's going to go, but I always (laughs) felt inadequate. Oh, yeah. I always felt, I always wanted to please mom and dad. Right. And the thing that got me so bad is I know they loved us so much, and I always wanted to meet those expectations. And you know what? I was human, and I never got saved until I was a little older, so, you know. I didn't make those expectations a lot of times. <laughs> I'll never forget the time they asked me to take up the offer, and I thought whoever took up the offer, the money belonged to them. <laughs> and Brother Tom Harmon came to the rescue again. He came and said, look, little guy, I'll let you take up the offer tonight, but that doesn't mean you're going to take the money home. <laughs> anyway, that was... That's uh, ice cream yeah, money. But... Yeah, but it, it, was, it, was, it was rough, but, but you know, here's what I learned. I grew up, Brother Chad, I grew up, with mom and dad having prayer meetings. My dad was such an avid believer in prayer and in faith. Yes. He had two, at least a minimum of two all night prayer meetings a year at the church. And they continue that right now. Yeah. Two all night prayer meetings a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got saved brother when I was, I remember totally dedicating my heart to God. I remember God touching me and 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 I, that that first touch of God 
was at like at eight or nine years old. And it was actually at the school down here. Mm-hmm. And we had a revival that swept through the school back in the, the early 80s. And I remember the Spirit of God sweeping through there, and I don't even remember what started it. All I remember is that there were young boys and girls crying and praying, and the Spirit of God got a hold of my heart. And I remember falling down on my face and God just saving me. And, and God changed my life forever. And at that point, it's like seven, eight years old. That's when I started worshiping God. And I remember running in church. And we talked about Brother Brother Benny Sutherland. The first time I yeah. ran in church was at Dryden Road. Wow. I remember the Holy Ghost moving on me at Dryden Road. And I, and I ran around that church just sacrificing and giving that moment to God. And I remember how hard it was because, you know, it was very humbling to do that. Mm-hmm. And I was afraid. But at the same time, I'm, you know, Mom and Dad had taught us, you don't disobey God. Right. God speaks to you. You move right then. Yes. And I remember God calling me to preach when I was 15 years old. And and, and that happened during a six-week revival where, where Mom and Dad called the chain prayer and fasting. And we did that. We did that for four weeks, prayed around the clock, and chain fasted every day. Mm. And God called me to preach. We had a seven-week revival with Brother Bill Houston. And I remember God called me to preach during that revival. Seven young preachers got called to preach under Dad and Mom's ministry during that revival. And they're all preaching today. All of them. Wow. All of them are preaching today. Some of them are pastoring. Some of them are evangelizing. Some of them have gone home to be with God. But 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 they all got called to preach. And Dad started at that point. He's like, all right. You know, God's made me a pastor of young preachers. And you know what he did? He held a youth meeting. We never had had one. He held a youth meeting. We, he rotated preaching, and he did that for like nine years. I remember rotating. And you know what he would do? If 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 he if he never had us preaching, he would have a class, and we'd all have to come early, bring our Bible, and I'll never forget the first one. And I wrote it down today in my notes of things I want to talk about. He the first one he called the minister self watch. Wow. And he said, you watch your heart. Yes, he sir. Said, when you're preaching God's word, he said, people, people have a right to look at your life. He said, you have an obligation to watch your own heart and never preach something you don't know or you don't understand. He said, mm-hmm. you preach what God gives you and what you know. He said, if you don't know anything about it, stay away from it. Good he advice. said, stay in the word of God. And it, it brother, it was regular. Yeah. Like, if we get through preaching, he'd go, okay, I'm over here. And, and I watched him pull many young preacher to the side and say, listen, you don't act like that. You don't speak like that. Mm-hmm. You know, you took a text and that was good, but this point you brought out, you need to look at that again. And he was always, he was always gentle, but he was very firm about it. Now, some preachers, some young preachers didn't like it. Right. But I benefited from it my whole life. Sure. And those moments, I relive them all the time. But that's what kind of father to preachers that my dad was. And it was um, instruction bringing them up it was teaching them and that, that was great and me and my brothers are both preaching today our right are preaching today. absolutely yeah. are. Mm-hmm. And, and you know i'm very proud of my brothers john and ben doing phenomenal work for god great guys yeah great great guys love them to death but that's the kind of instruction we grew up under i went i would go to bed at night brother chad listening to my mom call my name out in prayer Wow. We'd all be praying wow. together downstairs. What a We'd privilege. Bed, yeah. And I would hear mom and dad call our names out in prayer, crying and laboring before God. That's the kind of home I grew up in. That's wonderful. Yeah. Wow. 
that that yeah that's that's a that's a legacy. It is. That is such it's a, a powerful legacy. It is. And you know, you, you know, if I if I as a father, one of the things that I think I would do more, and and is is I would have more opportunities to spend time in family prayer. Yes. So if you're out there and you're listening to this podcast or broadcast that Brother Chad's doing, and you're a dad, don't hesitate to pray out loud in front of your kids. Yes. You will mentor that to them. Yes. You'll mentor that in them, and they'll never forget it. No matter how hard they may be, they'll never forget you called them in mountain prayer. Never. And it was important to your mom and dad, and you realize that importance now that you've had a family. Yeah. Because and and they instilled that in you, and that that is, you know, what what we deem as important as parents. Oh, you, you our, that's that's exactly what our kids will see if, if we if we see missing church and going to something else is important it's going to it's going to filter down to our children that way but if a good prayer life a good reading and mm-hmm. and fasting and and a good church life and a relationship with god is what we deem is important mm-hmm. then then our children are going to see that and they're going to pick up That's on right. that and they're going to benefit from that oh, uh, they're going to they're going to they're going to reap some great benefits from that and um let's go ahead uh brother aaron brother aaron's going to be back here with us next week uh on next week's podcast and um we're going to continue on talking about this great legacy that his his mother and father left behind for him, and uh, and the the path that they they shaped for him, and and so we ask that you just tune in with us again next week, and in the meantime, as we always say when we're in the broadcast podcast, brother Aaron's got me focused on broadcast now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, generally the same thing. Yeah. We're just in a smaller pod, as brother Mark says. Smaller pod, and so, uh, but let's uh, share a smile, be kind, and always make it count. God bless you. We'll see you next week.